Let us pray together this as we get into Revelation 6, 1 through 8. Pray this with me. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Blessed are the readers, hearers, and keepers of this word. Revelation chapter 6. Now I watched the Lamb opened one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four creatures say with a loud voice like thunder, Come, and, beho- and lo- I looked, and behold, a white horse, and its rider had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he came out conquering and to conquer. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come, and out came another horse, bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth so that the people should slay one another, and he was given a great sword. Then he opened the third seal, and I heard the third living creature say, Come, and I looked, and behold, a black horse, and its rider had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. And he opened the fourth seal, and I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and its rider's name was Death, and Hades followed him. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by wild beast of the earth. Amen. You guys may be seated. We all know that this world is full of evil. We can see it each and every day. We can't see all of the world's evil, but we can see enough to know that this world kind of stinks, that it's not as it should be, that it is broken. And if we have our eyes to see, we will know that evil abounds in and throughout this world. We know that war, both personal wars against us and national wars, can leave places barren and uninhabitable for a season. Even books that are pro-war declare that war is hell. I just found a quote on my phone this morning after I've already prepared this sermon. It says this, it says, a hospital alone knows what war is. We all know that war is one of the evils we face in this world and that war kind of stinks. What follows war is also no good. It is rarely peace as we'd want it to be, but instead the absence of war leaves fear, it leaves scarcity, it leaves devastation, and and it leads to rebuilding, but also confusion and national vulnerability and insecurity of what has happened because of wars. And if you don't believe me, then I invite you to take an objective view at history and ask, when has there not been evil in this world? When was this world good for all the people in it? When in history has we lived as if 
all people were made in the image of God and treated each other with that same type of dignity and respect that God treats people with. And if we look at history and if we're honest, we'd be able to see that there's never actually been this time on earth. There's never been a good old days. There's only been an illusion of it. And sin and evil have been in this world wreaking havoc since Genesis chapter 3. When sin entered the world, so did confusion. So did resentments. So did hostility. So did greed and pride and power over one another where the strong eat the weak. And this is all post-sin world. It comes in after sin. This text in Revelation 6 and the rest of Revelation must be seen and understood as one theologian says as symbols rather than depictions of divine activity. It's a poem, but it's a true poem. The truth is we see bits and pieces of each one of these seals that are being unveiled each and every day in our life and certainly throughout history. I said early on in Revelations that the end times have always been here. We've always been near the end. And these seven seals are not seven codes to break to figure out when Jesus are coming back. Jesus, as Jesus reveals these seals, he reveals that, he's, that what we've seen in history, at least a piece of all of these seven seals are throughout all of history. All things in history and scripture can only make sense through Jesus as he's revealing this to us. Let me lay out the first of the four seals today. Then we will see what, uh, we'll, let me, I'm sorry, let me lay out the first four seals today, and then we'll see that we've seen them before. They're simply not what is coming as some have understood it. But God is letting us know that he knows the realities of our world, this world that we live in. What, that is why he spent t- uh, the last five chapters giving us a grand picture for who he is, who Christ is, who is in charge of this world, and who the church is to be through the seven letters to the churches. We need a grand vision of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and his bride, the church. We need God and his people to make it through with trust in God, just as we've needed God and his people throughout the whole of history to make sense of it. So let us get a picture of what these seals are saying. And as we see them, we will be able to see the craziness of all those who have come before us. And they've said that they are living in the end times. We can start to agree with them. For we have always been in the end times. Those who are out there saying the end is near, the end is near, were right and they'll always be right. If these seals show us a little bit of what to come, then they also reveal what has been on earth for a very long time. And rather than bring us into a spot where we're afraid, where we have fear and that overshadows everything, They should paint for us the reality of what is going on so that in the midst of that, we might be comforted by Jesus who is over all things, over all time. The seal one, we see here 
when Jesus comes and he breaks the seal open, we see a false and evil leaders. We see false and living or, or, or false and evil leaders. These are not um, this. This is not the writer has a bow and a crown is given to him. This is not Jesus. This is somebody mimicking Jesus that is coming out to to deceive those. It is people that are have been in positions of power who deceive those that they lead. Leaders who are supposed to lead, and in accordance with 1 Timothy, we are instructed to pray for our political leaders, pray that they will lead in such a way that we will be able to live peaceful and quiet lives, and that we will be able to lead godly and dignified lives. It is good to pray for our leaders, but there are leaders who say they are for peace, but they fight They say that they are for the right things and then they try and squash anybody who disagrees with them. Leaders on this earth who reign and they reign to conquer others at all costs. And many times the costs are hidden from the the public's eyes in some sort of propaganda. But not one of the one, they're not hidden from the one who has eyes like Jesus, the seven eyes, who he is all seeing that we just saw in Revelation chapter five. Nothing is hidden from him. And he sees that these false leaders are there. We can see from the white horse that this writer is riding that they are attempting to emulate Jesus. They are attempting to emulate to be the savior that goes out and conquers and is conquering. They want us to believe, these false leaders want us to believe that they can save us that their ways are best for us to follow and with their strength and their position that and because they're the right person that the world will finally be right through them. They attempt to take the title as the one who is conquering, but we already know that Jesus is the one who is worthy and has conquered our great enemies of Satan, sin, death, and disease. These things have uh, not manifested on earth and we are told uh, and instructed older over and over and over again to hold on to wait to be patient and remember the promises that Jesus made that he has defeated our great enemies and even though we can't see it fully yet we will one day know because of our faith because we believe in Jesus and yet there are false leaders that let us know that we don't have to wait anymore They have all the solutions, but we need to know and we need to see that they are false, that they are false, that we don't have to follow them at all because these leaders, they don't lead with grace and mercy and forgiveness and love like Jesus does. Even if they have elements of those things, they don't do it like Jesus. Most of the time they lead out of self, self self-love, self-engrandizement, self-congratulations, and self-gratification. This horseman, this horseman is not our savior, but is one that is meant to lead us astray. They speak of peace, but they are for war, which leads us to our second seal. As we are invited to come and look, the second seal we see is wars. With leaders like the first horseman, war is inevitable. And, and even uh, literature that is pro-war admits that war is hell. 
that war against nation is hell, but also um, and and it's but also war that is just against peace. They hate peace. Peace of a nation or peace with a tribe or peace within a family or even inner peace that we might be able to experience at all. This second seal hates peace at all cost. There are forces that are always at war with peace. Men truly are given a sword to slay one another with words and weapons. Sin's attack on peace has been raging for a long time. Even pre-Facebook, it has been waging. So what can we say about war? We can say that it's awful. It rarely, if ever, comes to the outcome that we really want it to come to. World peace is what we still long for, but this horseman is wreaking havoc on us. Think about the hundreds of ways that people in this world bother you, just you. Think about the reasons. Many of them are silly in the grand scheme of things, and many of these silly things divide people and no longer allow us to be loving to our neighbors or to one another. Think about the words that have been used as weapons that are made to cut deep. They're made to stick with us. They're made to be there for a long time to wage war on our peace. Think about the ways this world and the people in it suggest that it would be better off without you. Think about all the ways the world has said you're not wanted. It's because it's waging war on our peace. This is war, and this is what war does. It divides and it destroys. It fights, and even if some good comes out of it, there is a great cost that is associated with this. Ecclesiastes tell us, tells us that there is a time for war. And for that reason, I'm not anti-war. But I firmly believe that we jump into war far too quickly as a reasonable way to solve all our problems, whether war with each other or even national wars. We live in a culture that glorifies war. Military conquest is always portrayed as good and noble and just and necessary. Debates are taught in a way where we need to be able to defend our position at all costs and crush our opposition. Winning in this culture is deemed as necessary as well. Where we say bigger is better. Conquest is good. Stronger is better. The strong eat the weak. The fast eat the slow. On the other hand, humility is weak. Losers never win and they never amount to anything. And if we know our limits and we live within them, then in this world that we live in, we are missing out. Prayer and patiently waiting for God to act it is, is, is attacked as silly and superstitious. That is why people say, I'm done praying. It is now time for action. We're going to take matters into our own hands. God's not doing what we want Him to do. And we are attacked 
for not knowing what to do when the truth is we don't most of the time. We are attacked for admitting our own wickedness and our own brokenness. We are encouraged to be something that we were never meant to be. Be strong. Be proud. Be defiant. Because of war and wars need to destroy our neighbors and their peace We didn't know that it would also destroy our ability to have peace and to be at peace, but it does. This third seal is hunger and greed. And even as I think about this and we're doing our thrill, hope and raising money this year for hunger in our area, we can clearly see this seal here today. We have enough food in this world, to feed all the world's hungry and have some left over. We have enough medicine in this world to give to those who die from needless or simple diseases. Think about diarrhea, which we'll see in a moment that is among the top 10 takers of life, that it can be cured with Pepto-Bismol. And yet, we haven't found a way to get it to the poor. We have enough wisdom and knowledge to send people to the deepest seas and the furthest reaches of known space. But for some reason, we feel like we need to commodify all of it. We need to get paid as much, much more than it costs as we can possibly get. We can see hunger and greed of those who hoard food. We can see this sin. And is it, it, doesn't, it isn't just at the end of the world. It's happening today, which we may be living in the end times according to this. Unless we are living in the end times now, that's because the end times have always been. Greed is in this world, and the way that hunger and greed work together is often masked behind this world's boardrooms and the stockholders, and the shareholders, that their only care is about the bottom line and that it it provides well-being for them. It is not often traceable to an individual, and thus no one is ever to blame for it. It is the cleverness of this seal that blinds us behind nameless corporations that they're the one that is wrong. It's never a person, so we can never take personal responsibility. And at the end of this, we can see the evidence of systemic sin in the way that it infects our world more and more deeply than we'd care to see. We've heard a lot about systemic, raci- systemic racism this year where it's just it's a system of race. And a lot of times in churches, we preach sin is personal, which it is. We need to be accountable for our own sin. But there's also a lot of systemic sin. And it's really real. It can't be ignored. Hunger is one of the ways that we can see it most clearly. The fact that there are hungry, hungry people and starvation kills people is a result of sin. The reason why we throw away food and we can't find out a figure out a distribution system to give it to those who are most in need is because of greed and maybe they can't afford it and so it's just cheaper to throw it away. Maybe it's not an individual sin. 
It's not a sin to eat a great meal. Amen? I come from a house that eats great meals. It's not a sin. It's not a sin to enjoy the blessings that God has given us. And, and it's, it's, not, um, it's not a sin to praise God for the fact that we can afford to eat. But that doesn't mean we don't have a real problem of hunger in this world. This is why we get to be thoughtful about the food that we eat and the ways in which we come by it and the ways in which we consume it. Again, this systemic sin wants us to just, uh, in fact, this world calls us consumers rather than individuals. This is going on in our midst. This suffering is happening all over the world and in our neighborhoods today. Today, hunger is real. And the greed that keeps people hungry is real. These things cause people to suffer in ways that are unimaginable. And they break God's heart. And what breaks God's heart gets to break our heart as well. This third seal is seen in our day-to-day age. Even in this age where we can get by and do worldwide distribution, people can go hungry because they are lazy. There's a truth to that. But more than that, they're going hungry because of sin. It is sin that comes into this world that is a massive problem and is trying to choke out an abundant life that Jesus has for us. More than any reason for one person's hunger, the reason is sin. The reason is this third seal has been unleashed on this world. And Jesus is saying that as he opens us, he's in the midst of it. He knows this is going on. He sees this. He sees what is unleashed on this world and what is fighting against us. And even in the midst of this, he tells us to stand strong. The fourth seal we see is disease and the death that it brings. The World Health Organization says heart disease, stroke, lung disease, respiratory infections, so from the common cold to pneumonia to even COVID-19, neonatal conditions, so conditions with with infants before they come, the tracheal uh, and uh, bronchius, I can't say these words, but and lung cancer, Alzheimer and other forms of dementia, diarrhea, diabetes, and kidney disease, these are the top 10 leading causes of death in this world. Plus, if we think about it, there are a hundred other ways that we can die. Car crashes. I was driving down the road the other day and it was rainy and wet, and I thought, oh man, this hill could give way. Mudslides, murder starvation, all the other forms of cancer that come in that don't make the top 10 list. We can just name a few of these ways to die and they are seemingly seemingly endless, limitless ways we can die. In fact, I was thinking about if I could call my mortician friend and just have him list out all the ways that, uh, that people can die, we would be on the phone for way too long. But we are attacked. These seals have revealed to us that we are attacked, that our world is under siege. Death, war, famine, disease, bad leaders, greedy corporations. These first four seals paint a dismal but real picture of this world. It's not just a glimpse of the four horsemen of the apocalypse as they're called. They are here and now and have been on earth 
for a long time. If we have the eyes to see, we can see how bad this world is right now. This 2,000-year-old letter from John, written on the island of Patmos, it's actually from Jesus as, through faith, is still relevant today. We can see it going on in our midst. And we have a solution. We've been given a solution already in Revelation as we go through this, as we see this stuff. And that solution is Jesus. Even though we've seen in Revelation, this already in Revelation, we've seen this wonderful picture of God. We still wonder, in the midst of these four seals, is God bigger than this? Because we know the pain is real. We know that chaos abounds. We know that the wars rage on. We know that the leaders are still greedy and full of pride. People are still hungry while we throw food away. People are still dying with little to no help. And all of this destruction and waste seems overwhelmingly bigger and more real than the reality of Christ. If Jesus is the winner, then why all this? How does it all fit together? I think these are excellent and endless questions. Here we can see that Jesus cares about these seals and the destruction that they've wrought on earth. It pains him. With these seals as the backdrop, Jesus wants our hope to be in him and for us to hold on. Jesus is the one who is worthy to open the scrolls because he is the one who has defeated them. His body broken and his shed blood for us and is how much he hates this destruction that is going on in this world. How badly he wants his love to win out now and forevermore. We wait for him. We ask for him to come soon. And yet he doesn't come yet. And in that we are patiently enduring all the evil that grieves him. So that more people might know him. He's being patient. We cannot let go of the fact that Jesus is in charge. We cannot let go of the fact that he is the one who is worthy. We, can, we can't be tempted as we see these horrors all around, to take our eyes off of Jesus. We need to see all the evil in the world. That's why it's being revealed to us. We need to see what we are up against. And still, we offer up our praises and our prayers continually before Jesus. Before we got here, the whole book of Revelation leading up to these seven seals, Jesus has been trying to give us a picture Revelation is a letter from Jesus about Jesus to churches in crisis, and we are certainly in crisis. But before we are made aware of the crisis, we are made aware of Jesus, that he knows our reality. He has given us numbers of pictures in his words that he wants us to hold on to in the midst of this case, chaos and this crisis. I want to list a few of these that he's listed already in Revelation. It's not an exhaustive list, and we could be here all day if we did that. But the list that Jesus is better than this world. Jesus said that he is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and end, which includes the middle in which we are living in now. That he is the keeper and sustainer of all things. 
He also lets us know that he is almighty. All the might belongs to him. None is mightier than him. None of these seals is greater than Jesus. We see pictures of his purity and his holiness as well as his wholeness. All the gifts he also gives to us who call him Lord. And his face is more radiant than the sun. He wants to shine into our darkness. The first writer makes the claim to be conquering, but none can be more conquering than Jesus. He is conquering, and that is why he is worthy to open the scrolls in the first place. Revelation 5, 9, and 10 say, they, are, they sang a new song. Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth. Jesus is the conqueror, and he did this in unexpected ways by giving away his life so that we might have his life in exchange. He took the power structure that the earth uses and flipped it on its head. He won life by going to die, and in that he defeated death. The second writer wants to steal all the peace that, that war and wage war against us. We don't fight like the world does. And greater is he who is in us, who is in his saints, than he who is in the world. And that he who is in us is Jesus. The one who is greater has told us, we will eat from the tree of life. We will not be hurt by the second death. We are given a new name that he alone gives us and he alone knows. We are giving authority, all our sins, all the things that we've done wrong, all our imperfections will be blotted out. We are to become a pillar in the temple of God to his service. We are given crowns of uh, we are given crowns and we're given thrones that we too will cast down and bow down to from. And we will bow down at his feet. This is who we really are. And that's who Jesus says we are. And this should bring us peace. In the midst of all our chaos, this should bring us peace. This is more real than the reality of all of these writers combined. The third writer wants to starve us and hoard up all the blessings. But they can't, because it is Jesus who feeds us, Jesus who sustains us. We, like Jesus, get our sustenance from places that this world doesn't understand. Jesus sets up a table for us in the presence of our enemies, and we can eat of the blessing and honor and give all of that back to Jesus to honor Him for who He is in our lives. Our hope can't be choked out. Our faith can't be starved. Our stronghold of Jesus can last forever against those who want to starve us out. And the fourth writer wants death and disease to come into our lives. And we, like Jesus, know that death is not the end for us. Jesus holds the keys to death and Hades. He owns them. He can't be held back by them. His purposes will succeed. And that's why we bank all our hopes and why we put our faith in Jesus. Because we know that he is the one that can do this. Greater is him who is in us than he who is in the world. The world wants us to worry. The world wants us to be scared and to, for us to take our eyes off Jesus. 
But remember the picture that we've been given is bigger. It's been mightier. It includes all the suffering. We can see all the suffering. We need to see all the suffering. And in the midst of that, we get to see this picture of Jesus who is bigger and better and far more worthy to receive blessing and honor and glory and wealth forever and ever. This is my simple prayer for us this week, Grace and Mercy Church. Let us set our eyes on Jesus. Let us follow him. He knows it will be hard. He knows it will be hard. That's why he is showing this to us. But through all that is going on, he is saying to us, still, I am greater than all of this. And so we give up our lives to follow Jesus. Jesus, may we give up our lives to follow you. Thank you that you have revealed to us that you know this world is not a fairy tale land but it is one full of destruction. And so will you please give us the strength to carry on another day? Will your grace be sufficient for us today? In Jesus' name, amen.